Hello, and welcome to another edition of New Books in Systems and Cybernetics, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm your host, Tom Schult, from the University of British Columbia. Regular listeners of this podcast will no doubt be familiar with the name of Raul Espeo, former Director of Operations of Stafford Beer's famed Cybersyn Project under the Chilean government of Salvador Allende in the early 1970s. This episode, the esteemed Dr. Espeo joins us in his role as co-editor of the volume Cybernetics and Systems, Social and Business Decisions, out from Rutledge in 2019. By extension, this work is also a reflection of Espeo's role as former Director General and now President of the World Organization of Systems and Cybernetics, or WASC as it is known, as this book is essentially a collection of extended abstracts and mini-papers encapsulating the vast spectrum of cybersystemic investigations on offer at that organization's 2017 Congress in Rome, which focused largely on policy options across the domains of what contributor Elias G. Carianis extending the work of Etzkowitz and Leidesdorf, has dubbed the quadruple helix of innovation, namely education, industry, government, and the media. Grouping the contributions within nine thematic streams, including human aspects of managing systems, sustainability in the Anthropocene, smartness and big data, and democracy, transparency, and social dynamics, the 600-plus pages of this volume provide a panorama of the field of cybersystemics composed of vivid snapshots of rigorous case studies and bold theoretical advances that will surely do much to fire the imaginations and ambitions of researchers and practitioners around the world as they develop their own boundary-defying research agendas. And so, without any further ado, let's turn to my conversation with Raul Espejo. Raul Espejo, welcome to New Books in Systems and Cybernetics. It is such a pleasure to have you on the channel. I have to tell you that you are already somewhat of a living legend on this podcast channel, having spoken of a couple of chapters you've written in some other books in previous interviews. And of course, uh, I had a fantastic interview with Eden Medina about her book, Cybernetic Revolutionaries. So uh, our audience should be familiar with you, but we will start with the usual question that many of us know something about the answer, but can you tell our listeners a little bit about how you came to an engagement with cybernetics and just a little bit about the trajectory of your career from your starting out to your current position as the uh, director of the World Organization of Systems and Cybernetics and all the other things along the way, Cinco, your consulting firm and uh, some of your teaching positions, etc. Well, I think that's going to take a long while. <laughs> Never mind. All right. You'll give the polls notes. I will. Yeah. Now, the, the, the starting point was my engineering studies at the Catholic University in Chile, where I became aware of Stafford Beer's work and Ross Ashby. And that was the beginning of a long journey, which uh, started uh, soon after I finished my studies uh, with uh, inviting Stafford Beer to Chile and to start with the Cybersyn project that uh, uh, your listeners, I'm sure, know about, and particularly having you interview uh, Eden Medina. So uh, at that time, uh, I became, for reasons that uh, would take a long while to explain, I became the operational manager of uh, uh, this project. And uh, as time went by, I I became more and more involved in its development. That project was the, the beginning of my work in cybernetics, which uh, after the coup in 1973, led me to go to uh, the United Kingdom and work with Stafford for quite a long while. And the form there is that uh, I, I went to different places like the International uh, Institute for Applied Systems Analysis in Luxembourg, Vienna, and from there to uh, Aston University in the United Kingdom, where in its science park I formed uh, the company Cinco. Cinco was intended to be a platform to uh, offer 
organizational cybernetics to the wider world. And in that company, I worked with many organizations going from typical large corporations in the private sector to the government institutions, particularly in Colombia, where I, I worked uh, with the uh, National Audit Office uh, and uh, for four years, in fact, in the late nineties. Uh, uh, and from there uh, is that I uh, got involved with uh, the World Organization of Systems and Cybernetics, which uh, was uh, created by uh, Professor Rose in the United Kingdom in 1969. And therefore, we are this year celebrating, oh gosh, this 50th anniversary. Mm. So the 50th anniversary of the World Organization of Systems and Cybernetics. And from, uh, from there is that uh, I've been... I've been getting involved deeper and deeper in its development organization. Originally, I was director general of 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 the organization, and later on in nineteen in sorry in the two thousand seventeen when we were in Rome. Uh, I was uh, elected president of the organization. So at the moment, I'm president of the World Organization of Systems and Cybernetics and organizing the next Congress, which is going to happen, uh, hopefully, in Moscow in 2020. So that gives you a brief uh, exposure to my work and the way I've been evolving over these years. Thank you very much. And uh, as someone who was uh, fortunate enough to be at the Congress uh, in Rome in 2017, uh, it was a tremendous event, uh, full of incredibly stimulating discussion and, and presentations. And it was a real uh, honor and a privilege to be part of it and very much looking forward to uh, Moscow in uh, in 2020. Um, can you say just a little bit more about WASC? I, it's funny because as I've gone to different conferences and, and gotten to know different organizations in this field, it feels as if each one has its own particular slant uh, in terms of the wider array of, of philosophies and that each one almost has its own sort of patron saint, so to speak. I mean, the American Society for Cybernetics and its focus on second order cybernetics, it's definitely Heinz von Furster's shadow is over everything. Uh, and uh, or, or, and uh, operational, uh, you know, the OR Society in the UK, again, there's a lot of variety in there, but, you know, Peter Checkland and SSM, you know, obviously stemming from Lancaster is a, I would say that my sense of WASC, and, and I don't think just because you happen to have been its um, director general and now president, is that uh, Stafford Beer and the viable system model seems to be the kind of bedrock of WASC. As a, you know, it's a big tent organization. There's lots of different approaches and philosophies represented, but it seems to me as if um, the VSM and Stafford Beer sort of uh, uh, provide the kind of bedrock of the organization. Do you think that's a fair assessment on my part? I think it is. I think it is. Uh, originally, the this organization had its uh, roots in uh, Norbert Wiener, in fact. And Norbert Wiener was the uh, president, uh, the honorary president of uh, WASC uh, very much at the beginning in 1969, but uh, after that, uh, Stafford uh, became the president of WASC, and he, he was president for a number of years until he died in 2002. So, uh, and, and once uh, at that point is that uh, he. I started to get more involved in these, and that led me to in in 2011 to uh, become more involved in its development. Now, 
WOSC is very much about organizational cybernetics. So, as you well know, there are a whole range of uh, streams coming into cybernetics, going from the more technological to aspects of uh, uh, second-order cybernetics, uh, as you recognized. And uh, in this case, in in WASC, I think the idea, because of the strong influence of Stafford, uh, organizational cybernetics has been its major uh, direction. And that's where we get uh, uh, most of our... Uh, strength. Now, but when we organize these uh, events, as the one you uh, participated in 2017, uh, the idea is not to, to overemphasize the viable system model. The idea is to have a broad church of cybernetics. And as you really, you realized when you were there, uh, the ideas of uh, Second order cybernetics had a very significant contribution to the Congress. We had a good group of people from the United States, Stuart Ampleby in particular, but also from Russia with Vladimir Leipzig. And in general, we have had uh, second order cybernetics as an important contributor. And we also had uh, very important contributors in aspects of uh, governance, in aspects of uh, Anthropocene, in aspects of uh, uh, the, uh, all the uh, social aspects of cybernetics. So it's, it's not only the viable systems. It is a much broader sense, and that's what we want to emphasize as we move ahead into WASC 2020. Mm -hmm. That was one of the things I very much appreciated about uh, the Congress and about the organization in general, is this uh, sense that cybernetics and systems are on an equal footing in this group. Uh, and even though cybernetic contributions are welcome at something like the International Society for System Sciences, it's still a system sciences uh, organization that has cybernetic components. This, as you see from the name of the organization and from the very title of this book, uh, it's one of the rare places where you see both terms sort of presented on equal footing um, and very much um, two pillars uh, of equal strength uh, in the organization and in the proceedings, which is fabulous. You, you are very much right in that, and that's one of the reasons we uh, talk about cyber systemics. Mm -hmm. So we, yeah. we, we are not only emphasizing cybernetics, but we are moving very strongly into the systemic aspects. And as you know, we had aspects of social cybernetics, social systems. We had aspects of... Dynamic systems, and we were trying to emphasize the complementarity between a holistic view of society and a, a deep understanding of the mechanisms that help these holistic appreciations of systems operate in the world in which we 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 work. Mm -hmm. Um, so you've, so there've been, that was, I think the 17th Congress, right? So there've been many Congresses and I, I, I imagine also many publications to come out over the years connected to WASC and its activities, but what made, uh, what were the confluence of things that came together to produce this particular volume, uh, from that Congress? Uh, it's essentially, it's a book of abstracts, but it's more than that because many, if not most of the abstracts really feel like of an entire paper. There's a discussion section, conclusion section. Uh, so it really is not just, you know, to, for listeners out there, I need you to know it's not just going to tease you with just the abstracts. You get substantial um, view of, of, of most of the, of the major contributions. Um, and uh, it gives such an incredible snapshot, not only of, of the exciting activity that took place at that Congress, but in a sense, the state of the field of cyber systemics of you, as you've described it. But, um, what was the confluence of ideas, either in terms of interest from interest from Rutledge or a sense of urgency around this particular Congress and its 
themes or what what were really came together to say this is we're going to produce a major work coming out of this particular congress very interesting question that because we we had several contributions as you know to the congress and at the end of the congress we talked about the dissemination of the ideas of the discussions and we got, uh, as a result of that, uh, three uh, different uh, uh, journals interested in publishing the most uh, developed papers of the Congress. And in fact, uh, we have uh, the Sustainability Journal, we have Kubernetes, and we have Futures, three journals uh, uh, which have uh, given us the platform to publish about uh, 40 papers, which uh, is quite a substantial hmm, contribution. But in addition to that, we knew that we had many useful contributions of a number of people who had joined us. And the group, the Italian group, was particularly significant in trying to connect all these contributions in one publication. And that is uh, the reason they were very instrumental in getting Root Pledge uh, Italy to support the, the, the publication of this book. So uh, it is uh, something we, we have to thank them for being the ones who put all the effort in getting the, country, the, the support of Root Pledge. Mm-hmm. And we've got, of course, um, your co-editors, uh, Sergio Barile, Maria, Maria Luisa Saviano, uh, Francesco Caputo, all also featured very prominently in the work itself. The number of papers that these three people through various combinations <laughs> yes. and collaboration have their fingers in. And and it's, and not repetition either. They, I mean, the, the, the fertility of the ideas coming out of the, the Italian group is is remarkable. Uh, I wonder if you might say you, just- you are very right in that, and I want to highlight that that uh, the the work of the Italian group is very special. They work in a collaborative uh, fashion. They have a significant number of uh, scientists and uh, students coming together, and that is something that can be. Recognized in the book and the many abstracts that they produced, but it, it, I have to, to emphasize that the book is not uh, dominated by their contributions. It is an mm-hmm. important part of the of the book, but there are contributions from all over the world, and we have mm-hmm. very good uh, presentations and short. Uh, uh, abstract, as it is the case of your own contribution to the Congress. So, and mm-hmm. as as you know, in addition, together with you were very instrumental in getting a group of uh, Latin American people uh, producing papers around uh, the the ideas of uh, uh, acting and second order cybernetics and the aspects that you personally contributed to the Congress. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much. I, I appreciate those kind words. Thank you. Um, so speaking of the Italians, so Sergio Barile, uh, very instrumental in the Congress itself and also a figure, as you say, amongst many, I mean, uh, there's strong representation from Slovenia, uh, Albania, all kinds of countries bringing their own particular uh, issues and, and situations forward. Sergio Barile, um, his name is associated with something called the viable systems approach. So not the VSM, but the VSA, obviously with its roots in the VSM. Is there anything you can tell me or tell our listeners about the VSA uh, and how it's grown out of the VSM and, and its sort of influence across this group of Italians? Yeah, that was the origin of our conversation with Sergio Barile and Maria Luisa Saviano. Both of them were very uh, interested in making a good connection between the approach they had been working in for a long time and Stafford's work, which uh, is what uh, 
they actually produced and offered in the in the Congress. The the key ideas of uh, the viable systems approach are uh, resonance and consonance. So these are two key ideas that uh, they have connected to the internal operations of uh, of the of the system and the interactions of the system with the environment and for the for these two concepts they develop aspects of variety and connections with the ideas of ashby and and stafford so but they are in, in on the whole they are very strongly related to policy processes and increasing the contribution of systems thinking to organizations in italy and that's where they they have had their major input Mm-hmm. And yes, and policy is very, very pronounced in this book, and it's it's one of the things that makes it uh, so rich to read because so many of the things that we've seen, you know, developed and restated sometimes with greater uh, precision, but I've remain are, are largely theoretical in a lot of the publications. It gets very, very concrete with some of these, uh, not just from the Italians, but these other. Um, societal social uh case studies from all over the world in very very concrete ways very specific recommendations about policies uh and procedures and very so, much the connection as well with uh, technology so you you, mm-hmm. you have uh, systems thinking technology and cybernetics coming there one of the contributions of uh, Varile and Saviano with others was the the significance of 3D uh, printing in the development of health services uh, worldwide so that you can you can actually uh, change the overall structure of health services by in, Reducing variety on the one hand in terms of the kind of medications that you recommend, but at the same time you increase variety by going to the individuals and you can produce their medications at a very personal level. So their their contribution, that's one of the papers that is published in Futures, by the way, their contribution is one that I think shows how to connect policymaking, connect the ideas of variety, the ideas of managing large systems like the health the health service and producing through that a good understanding or an improved understanding of services that we use all the time mm-hmm. yes and you're, you're absolutely correct to point us to, to the idea that technology uh, and its potential for uh, realizing some of the cyber systemic governance um, mechanisms that uh, have been developed is, is really key so there's there's nine major themes that the a vast amount of contributions in this book is over 600 pages. It's a real feast. Um, and we'll talk about some of those themes. We, we won't be able to cover all of them. But I want to start with the first theme since we, we've been sort of talking about this, um, this major contribution by this Italian group, uh, Berile, Saviano, and others. Uh, the first theme is, is titled Human Aspects of Managing Systems. And it's very fascinating because it's as much as there's the technological emphasis throughout the book and throughout throughout the Congress, this idea of things like uh, very, what are traditionally non-scientific terms like mercy, um, and just the idea of bringing in senses of ethics, senses of um, attempts to connect across differences, um, and these, uh, what are often thought of as softer kinds of things, but they get an, an entire very rich, um, a stream at this Congress devoted to them. So is there anything you want to tell us about your sense of how human aspects of managing systems play out in the Congress, in the book, and just your, your general thoughts about that uh, at this moment of the early and still fairly early in the 21st century? I think it, it, is, it, it was one of the themes that, in my view, gave a connection 
of the general aspects, uh, human aspects of managing systems to the rest of the themes in this book and in the Congress, of course. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. in, in there you can see that uh, human aspects like ethics you you are mentioning there, but also related to knowledge and organization and to smartness and big data. All these aspects were mentioned in this in the contributions to this first theme of the of the congress. So, it, and you can see if you go to the uh, the introduction to the book, you will see that uh, there are connections that are provided uh, from this particular uh, theme to uh, basically most of the other themes. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, knowledge and organization, yeah, and and big data, systems yeah. thinking, and system dynamics, and you, you get. Yeah. Uh, uh, discussions that uh, are connected to strategies to remain competitive uh, and to, to gain legitimacy and uh, in that sense it may start to get connected to the viable systems uh, approach and model mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. and they, they they talk about requisite holism holism and that, that is something that in the end it shows how the human aspects of managing systems is something that includes most of the other aspects of this book. Yes, I'll just quote the last paragraph from the from the overview of this particular theme. Uh, new institutional perspectives are emerging from changes in technology, as well as better appreciation of human aspects of managing systems. There are trade-offs between internal efficiency and external legitimacy. Strategies to remain competitive could imply mimicking other strategies to gain legitimacy, but this mimicking may affect negatively intra-organizational relationships that are necessary to strengthen viability. And the viable systems model and approach are used as two conceptual frameworks for management requisite holism is argued and i love this notion of playing on requisite variety to the notion of requisite holism yes i think uh, this is something that in fact is very very much connected to uh, matthias malay from uh, slovenia Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, he has been working in this notion of requisite holism for, um, for a long while, and that makes uh, again uh, the, it puts the emphasis in uh, on the uh, system as a whole and not uh, strictly to specific uh, relationships. That uh, is what, for instance, uh, I put my own uh, work very much in the individual interactions. In this case, is the view of the organization as a whole that is uh, concerned. But it, it is interesting that it, these ideas of resonance and consonance are uh, very significant in all these. Resonance uh, means whether the interactions with the environment are co-producing certain outcomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. consonance uh, is is very much connected to the internal structure of the of the system and the and the, all the aspects of coordination that are significant to produce a, or having an effective organization. Mm-hmm. Yes, very much so. Um, I want to leap just for a moment to theme four, and then maybe double back to the ones in between the first one and this one, uh, democracy, transparency, and social dynamics. Obviously, as, as you pointed out, these themes are all actually quite deeply interwoven. Uh, but I wanted to jump to this one because it, to me, it speaks directly to human, the human aspects, but also because it is, um, a theme that you were, uh, one of the chairs of the theme and your own, um, um, particular, um, contribution in terms of a paper presentation were inside this theme, democracy, transparency, and social dynamics. Can you say a little bit about what led to the formation of this theme and um, your own contributions to it in terms of uh, what you proposed in your own in your own paper? Certainly. I think uh, one of the significant outcomes of the work in Chile in the early 
70s was uh, a, a project that uh, uh, we call cyber folk. Now, uh, cyber scene is the most uh, recognized name for the work we did in Chile. That cyber folk uh, was a very important uh, development inside the overall project when we realized that the problem was to see how politicians and senior managers related to people, to citizens. And, and that, that led to this uh, cyber folk, which was an interesting aspect of uh, seeing from the perspective of variety how easy it was for people in, 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 in management, the politicians and the experts, connecting with the people through shall we say, easy media like television, uh, while at the same time, the people who were the recipients of these uh, policies and ideas uh, were a very, in a very difficult uh, position to connect to, to the to the politicians. They didn't have equal access to the media, they didn't have equal access to television, of course, and the result was that uh, they, they had uh, the problem of uh, being overwhelmed by the policies and ideas coming from the top, but with very limited capacity to provide feedback. Now, it was at that, uh, at, at that stage that we worked in Chile in the cyber folk, which was uh, the use of certain devices uh, put at the, in the hands of the people so that they could uh, move the, a, a knob and resulting of from there could uh, pass their appreciation of what they were hearing and they were listening from the politicians. And the, there was a, a particular algorithm which connected the multiple connect, uh, views of people and produced an overall appreciation of the people to the policies that were being displayed. And that was a big screen in, shall we say, the television uh, where they were broadcasting their policies. So it was interesting to see that at the same time that you had the propositions of the politicians, you had the responses of the people and the aggregation of their responses were displayed in these screens in the television studio. In the operations and room? That, Did they make their way to up? No, 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 that was in uh, that the idea was in the in the uh, the idea was to do it in the studio where the politicians ah, were yes. uh, talking about uh, whatever policy. Mm -hmm. But uh, what what was uh, interesting was that that that, that was a very very uh, innovative proposition in 1972. But uh, clearly the chances to make that. Uh, proposition uh, more uh, manageable and effective were very limited mm -hmm. uh, they were they, we were we used and we did uh, we developed the technology to make this kind of aggregation of views uh, the aggregation of the way people were receiving the policies uh, we developed the technology we developed some of the algorithms for that but only for a very, very limited number of people. So we were using that for about 20 people. Mm -hmm. And it was a way to, I remember, for instance, Heinz von Furster being one of the uh, equivalent to a policymaker, uh, talking in, in the equivalent place of the television studio and giving his descriptions of uh, second order cybernetics and uh, aspects of uh, uh, physics that he was uh, very much involved in. And, uh, and and we, the 20 people sitting around the table there, had these knobs in on our laps and uh, saying, 
hell, I don't understand what is going on. <laughs> and, and, and that immediately you could see that you were not alone in your views about that because the screen where Heinz was operating could show that the level of appreciation understanding was perhaps not too high. But that, that was the, in a few occasions because, as you perhaps know very well, Heinz was an incredibly engaging a commentator and a exposer. And so in most occasions, our responses were incredibly positive. Mm -hmm. Now, that was the way the Cyberfolk uh, project evolved. And as time went by, the situation moved incredibly in the opposite direction, because we know now that uh, big data has become a major aspect of our societies. We have algorithmic management and all of that, which is sending information data to everywhere in multiple forms. Mm -hmm. And so rather than the limited feedback that we had in those days in the early 70s, today we have a, an excessive feedback that makes issues like uh, in, in the case of uh, uh, Brexit or the Trump election in the United States uh, something that uh, is... Uh, very, very difficult to, to manage and to, to get things uh, with good con contribution of people in a democratic way. So it's possible to misuse the, the technology, to overemphasize certain interests and download others. So it, it was in, in, with those things in mind that democracy, transparency, and social dynamics was propo were proposed as a, a themes uh, uh, for, the, for the Congress. And uh, certainly, I think uh, democracy is one of those aspects that is very dear to my own interests. And uh, trying to find out how is it possible to uh, reduce the negative impact of big data that we are experiencing today, uh, and that uh, by connecting data and algorithms to organizational structures that have the capacity to absorb the complexity mm -hmm. that is being produced. And that was one of the major elements of my contribution to, uh, to, to the Congress. Now, there were other people there, uh, like Amanda Gregory and Soraya Mendy Welso, and also Daniel Boussier, uh, who were very much interested in big data but in, and in citizenship. Mm -hmm. So how is it that you improve the competencies and the strength of people's uh, expressions of their own concerns and interests in their communities where they live. Empowerment, aspects of that were uh, aspects of democracy and social dynamics that uh, that, that group was uh, intending to, to contribute and to offer to the Congress. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, part of the uh, overall uh, that is expressed in the theme four of the of the book that we are talking about. Yes. It's interesting. These... Perhaps let me just add one point yes. that uh, is important there, uh, and I think one of the major aspects that is uh, is to understand better self organization. Mm -hmm. So it is uh, self organization is very much connected to. To or offering an alternative to control approaches, so self-organization is trying to get people to elaborate their own strategies to manage their interactions with others, and and that is something that I would say democracy, transparency, and social dynamics. Uh, need to clarify and use as far as possible. Mm -hmm. Yes, and you take us right into the heart of, of some of the biggest challenges today, as you say, the, the, the glut of big data, 
And uh, but it it seems to go again right back to some of the issues you all grappled with at the heart of CyberSyn in terms of um, balancing variety, uh, trying to you know manage make the management of the economy efficient, but at the same time not too top down or you know assuage the fear of people that the idea of an ops room meant that there was a little group that had a kind of technocratic control. Um, in this case, you know, in the in the modern sense of this overwhelmed uh, over people overwhelmed by the amount of data out there, um, trying to get, you know, what we might call expert voices, making sure they're loud enough. But then that gets us into the situation of well, who decides who's the expert, etc. Right? I mean, things I, I you know things I've read about CyberSyn also in terms of you know even deciding which are the indices of success that we're going to pay attention to or not. Uh, ultimately, our decisions being taken by individuals—the the incredible dance of variety balancing that that has to go on—seems to be have been central to CyberSyn and still central to the stuff that you're you're working on today. Absolutely, I think you're absolutely right, and that is uh, where you 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 see the power of uh, the ideas of uh, Stafford survivals, Stafford survival system, and uh, the ideas of Ashby's requisite variety, mm-hmm. because uh, there is a, a, no doubt that uh, people's uh, contributions to this complex world in which we operate are connected to uh, multiple forms of coordination, uh, auditing, monitoring, which are helping to avoid uh, centralization and are giving options for people to operate in a peer-to-peer situation. Mm -hmm. So... That, that, that all ha- had its origins in in the CyberScene project and are aspects of the work that is uh, progressing today, which in a way were uh, these are aspects that were uh, elaborated in WASC 2017 in different contributions. Uh, we saw, for instance, contributions about education. We saw con- contributions about, about uh, uh, empowering people, the aspects of ethics and so on that were proposed by several people in the Congress, which all in the end had to go back to the notions of uh, managing variety. Yes. So that's uh, where we are seeing, still seeing much of the of the work we have we did in those years being expressed today in a congress like uh, the was 2017 yes and and it's um the education piece obviously really important uh, this is going to take me to a, a, cu- a couple of questions about how uh, again how these themes tend to sort of interweave with each other but the idea that if ever there was a time in human history where cyber systemic tools had a major contribution to offer, had a role to play, I mean, in a sense, the tools were built for the future that the visionaries who developed this field, beginning with Norbert Wiener or in systems for von Bertalanffy or Rosen or others, uh, they were building the tools for the future that we are now in uh, and, and that it must be also citizens who develop these uh, systemic sort of awareness. And so the education piece is key. And I, across a few of the, many of the contributions and across a few of the streams, this notion of continuing to catalyze and through information communication technology, largely the the three letters ICT show up (laughs) rampantly throughout the book uh, of information Mm. communication technology is sometimes thought of as the triple helix or, but this idea of business, government, educational systems, this kind of lateral distribution of, uh, of information, decision-making, uh, information sharing, concept development, and continuing to use the, the gifts of the technology we have now to have these different segments that often work as silos uh, and going from a triple helix even to a quadruple helix or beyond um, can you say anything about that, about, about this notion of, of getting all these different sectors 
organized together and networked in a way that they can be taking these uh, social and business decisions, as the subtitle of the book says, in a more coordinated way. Yes, I think uh, Karayanis was the, a, a major uh, keynote speaker who actually produced uh, this connection of the not only the triple helix, but uh, he talks about the quadruple helix and in in a way these are attempts that many people in in academia and also in practice are trying to bring together different streams that in the traditionally have been seen as independent one of the other but now they they clearly see that aspects of government politics economics, education, uh, technology, they're all intertwined and they need to be uh, dealt with uh, together. And that's uh, one of the uh, good, I think, contributions that was made during the Congress by Karajanis, who uh, is uh, an academic from... uh, the George Washington University, mm-hmm. and he was talking about knowledge for development, vision, systems perspective, challenges, and opportunities for theory, policy, and practice. Mm-hmm. And that's where, based on a good deal of empirical work, he has been putting together the different axis of this uh, helix. Mm-hmm. So uh, that that again takes us back into the notion of uh, uh, human aspects of managing systems mm-hmm. uh, because uh, we are now and that that is appears to be uh, coming together in many of the contributions of the themes of this co- of this book and the, the themes that were discussed in WASC 2017, they are putting together a, a very significant aspect of society, organization, and technology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, of, of course, at the end, is very much connected to economics as well. Mm-hmm. So... The, the the notion of uh, uh, seeing how is it that different uh, expressions of uh, organization and technology come together uh, in the ways in which policies are managed, are offered, are developed, is uh, an aspect that I think is important that we continue to op- to develop because somehow. Uh, we are interested to get people's involvement in all of these and not to to have a strictly a top-down approach, which in the end will uh, reduce, constrain people's behavior in, in a very significant way. So if we want to make use of all these uh, aspects of, uh, of the triple A, uh, Helix and all the, the the rest. We need to 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 develop further understanding of how they relate systemically, and that's one of the aspects that I where we start to see in practice how systems and cybernetics come together. Mm-hmm. This takes us nicely to the other uh, theme that you were a key uh, developer of, which is theme five, the interactions revolution. And we've already touched on a lot of the sort of concepts that that interact with this, but the idea that we're undergoing a necessary revolution in the types of interactions that we can have and that we should have, and the increased speed of self-organizing processes in today's world, you talk about the focus on the fluid interaction in the age of digital technologies, um, and that it—I'm going to quote a bit from 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 your introduction again. It offers a space for digital technologies and transdisciplinary conceptual frameworks to disclose self-organized organizational forms that are more likely to anticipate and respond to environmental, social, and economic changes. This is an interactions revolution towards distributed value co-production and guided. Uh, self-organization. 
So uh, can you say uh, anything else you want to add? We've, uh, we've touched a lot of these themes, obviously, already. But anything else you want to add to this notion of, a, of an interactions revolution and um, how it's continuing to aid uh, different types of, of self-organization? I think it's very significant, very important to make the distinction between interactions uh, and, and relationships. Now, relationships are uh, very much the ways in which different uh, agents come together and produce uh, some kind of uh, mutual understanding and mutual support. But uh, when we go to the notion of interactions, we are saying, now, how is it that I manage the process of uh, or the agent manages the process to move from a, a particular objective or particular purpose that they may have in the interactions with, for instance, agents in the environment. And what happens most of the time is that this aspect of self-organization is over controlled, over managed by uh, the top level of the str- uh, organizational structure. It is managed by uh, policymakers who define policies, and once they define these policies and they set up particular instruments to manage that, for instance, uh, accounting procedures or aspects that uh, organize. The, the use of the resources. Once they define these from the top, they reduce the freedom and the capacity of expression of the local people who in the end have to work with all the definitions and all the values that have been set up globally. That in, is, is a way of restricting freedom is a way of restricting the capacity for people to express their own views, to express their own capacity to uh, handle the issues that are relevant in the environment, and uh, and they have to uh, put themselves under the definitions of the top. So th- this uh, this aspect of general definition of policies, centralized definition of policies. At the end of the day, they are triggers for some kind of self-organization because there is no way in which policymakers, experts, will be in a position to define all these things in full precision. So if we define an educational policy, it is clear that the multiple agencies that are somehow working in in, in education will somehow find out ways of connecting with each other and produce certain results on certain outputs that relate to the interest of society to have education. So, but once we do that, from uh, with the constraints and decisions from the top and with the con- uh, experts from the top defining all of these, uh, we are reducing the capacity of uh, uh, local schools, of families, of uh, the different individuals involved in the educational system to express themselves and respond to the problems that they face and recognize in the in the environment. So. Uh, one of the arguments that uh, uh, we developed in the interactions revolution, but particularly it is developed in the special issue of futures, uh, which I edited uh, after the Congress, is precisely the idea that uh, we, we need to uh, support the capacity of the, indi- of the individuals to match variety in the environment with their own interests, with their own values, and uh, they, as a result of that, they work out uh, strategies to match varieties. And that is something that uh, if they have the, the opportunity to express that locally with freedom, then they, they, they will develop their own competencies and they will 
increase their response capacity no end compared to the situa situation where we are in a centralized restrictive system of, of management of organization so is that balancing of uh, that's what uh, I, i've been referring to as guided self-organization now guided self-organization is where you put some general frameworks that you allow people to express themselves locally and to find the solutions locally without being over restricted by the language by the different uh, definitions that come from the top and that, that's where we increase the complexity of the situation and we can give more capacity for problem solving so that, that's what was very much involved in the in, in, in particularly I, I repeat in connection to the futures a special uh, a special issue uh, is, is connected to creating self-organization locally as much as uh, at the general level. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, it requires uh, individuals to build up their own capacities and their capacities for variety and their capacities for making distinctions. I think a lot about the work of uh, Osvaldo uh, Garcia de la Cerda and uh, Maria Saavedra Uloa and their work on uh, inactive management which had a huge impact on me being able to encounter that uh, at WASC. And um, so this is, again, where systemics and the idea of organizational structure meets the kind of personal reflective capacities of second-order cybernetics in their work training managers to be more reflective and more able to question their own ontologies and epistemologies and open them up to new kinds of thinkings that then make new kinds of interactions even possible. Uh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Inactive management is a absolutely a very, very significant contribution that uh, Osvaldo uh, made to the Congress, I think, with his partners. It, it is clear that uh, enacting is uh, an expression of build, building up strength in the individual. And it is that is necessary to make possible the response capacity to threats and opportunities that come from the environment. So, in, in action and the building up of strengths around that is what uh, I, I, I believe uh, it complements very much the notions of self-organization I was talking about. And by drawing attention to interactions the way you've done, I think another really marvelous contribution that makes is that, you know, the typical uh, description of a system, definition of a system is we talk about, as you say, elements and relationships. But the discussion of interactions has been left out of a lot of it because that's a fairly static description. There are these elements and they have these relationships and we know it's dynamic. And the dynamic thing is, as you say, are the interactions themselves. So it is an area of cyber systemics that that requires this increased level of uh, of scrutiny and attention that you've you've brought to it. I think so. I think you're absolutely spot on there. Yeah. Well, we've uh, taken up a lot of your time. You've been very generous with your time. Thank you so much. There's so much else in this book, obviously over 600 pages. There's other themes on sustainability and the Anthropocene, a lot of interesting questions about does smartness as in terms of big of smart cities, et cetera. Uh, is there an equation between smartness and sustainability? There's stuff on quantum modeling. There's a great section on systems dynamics where it's uh, very specific case studies are using some of the more traditional tools going back to Jay Forrester and others, but on very, very specific cases. It really is a feast uh, and it, it'll give uh, every practitioner and scholar out there many ideas for furthering their own work. So uh, again, congratulations and, and, and a special thanks to you. And again, you mentioned your Italian colleagues for, for getting uh, this, this massive undertaking out uh, through the Italian branch of, of Rutledge. So our traditional final question, 
and I, I have some suspicion of the answer, knowing how much it takes to organize a Congress. Uh, but uh, what are you what are you working on now? <laughs> All right, I, I'm working in many things. I can tell you, but uh, before we we get away from the WASC 2017, perhaps I would like to emphasize three of the themes there, which you have mm-hmm. been emphasizing is yourself, but I want to put my own little grain into that. Yes, please do, please do. I think clearly the theme related to reflexivity, second order cybernetics and context with the contributions of Stuart Antlubi and Vladimir Lepsky. That theme is very important, and that is going to be a major aspect of WASC 2020, because both of them will be very much there. So that's... that's it has also the, these ideas of reflexivity have a grounding in work in in in, in Russia. So uh, Lefebvre was very very strongly uh, a contribute a very strong contributor to reflexivity, and yes. so I would like to emphasize that the other thing that I felt was particularly innovative. In, in connection to the the, the 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 Congress was quantum modeling. Quantum modeling mm-hmm. is, is something that uh, I, I think is is still in from the perspective of cyber systemics is still in need of much development. Mm-hmm. I, I, we had a, a group of contributors there in quantum modeling and. Uh, Francois Vibois, and they, they were talking about aspects of, uh, like, uh, aspects of quantum modeling of the learning, uh, or, or, or mod- quantum modeling of the learning curve by Klaus Otto Vene, which is a, is a very significant contribution to the notions of policy making in the transformation of energy systems. Uh, from the traditional fuel-based uh, energy to the more uh, innovative uh, uh, technologies that we are wanting to have in, uh, today. And so uh, the quantum modeling was one of the contributors to the discussion of this issue in the Congress. Uh, then there were contributions uh, uh, connected to uh, the ideas of uh, complexity that are not very easily recognizable, but uh, that are very important. Uh, there, there was a contribution in Eigen logic, interpretable quantum uh, observers, observables with the uh, application of fuzzy behavior of vehicle robots. The, this was uh, something that connected very, very advanced technology to cyber systemics and quantum theory. And the ideas of uh, complexity that emerge from there, they offer an, a further development to the notions of the digital technology of zeros and ones, because uh, somehow uh, quantum is a, a far more flexible and distributed way of managing complexity. So the, 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 mm-hmm. the particular papers in the in the book related to these uh, aspects of learning and complexity i would uh, i would put uh, a lot of emphasis in and offer that uh, to to the post potential readers of this uh, of of this book so the, the, yeah, those are yeah. two two uh, two themes that i believe are important uh, and that uh, need to be further exposed there. And we have discussed most of the other themes, but perhaps the one that we haven't mentioned too much, though you have mentioned twice, uh, only name, uh, the ideas of sustainability and the Anthropocene. Mm -hmm. Now, 
the ideas of the, the, the Congress had very significant contributors in, in terms of sustainability and the Anthropocene, including, for instance, one concrete example of sustainability, the Sustainability Laboratory and the project Wadi Atir in Israel by Michael Benelli. And that, that is showing how to increase the capacity of local people to sustain areas, geographic or areas of agricultural activity through sustainable laboratories. So, and in terms of the general presentation of the Congress, the ideas of uh, of uh, Ray Eisen, uh, Sandra Schlindwein, uh, Marco Schweininger uh, were quite in, significant in trying to connect the policies of natural resources to the current uh, dire problems we have with sustainability. Mm-hmm. I was just going to mention also the presentation and paper by Alfonso Reyes. Uh, you were mentioned in, in terms of talk about something that brings a lot of streams together, where he also has a in Colombia as a has a uh, laboratory of local self organization, sustainability interaction across educational versus business and local farmers, and it's it's quite a remarkable story he weaves about a systemic intervention that also ties a lot of these themes together. Uh, absolutely right. And uh, what he uh, uh, makes apparent in his contribution there is that uh, some of the policies that uh, have been developed to increase the educational platform for people uh, in local areas uh, may have the counter uh, effect of uh, getting these people out of their natural environment and leading them to the bigger cities and reducing the capacity to handle self-organization at the local level. So that shows very, very practically, very clearly how the development of these educational policies in a particular community that he talks about may, may have led to that community losing people to the more attractive areas of the bigger cities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a stunning presentation and an equally uh, compelling paper in the book as well. Mm-hmm. And now the, again, there there is a, a contribution by uh, Alfonso in Futures. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah, so the fact that this this also, as you mentioned off the top, uh, spread out into three separate uh, journals uh, also shows you the incredible uh, fertility and the great um, outpouring of uh, of inquiry and knowledge and expertise that uh, you know that germinated uh, through WASC. So a tremendous success all around, and we wish you all the best for Moscow. And uh, I will of course see you there. Uh, looking forward to seeing you again in person and thanking you so much for for taking this time to talk about this excellent book uh, with our listeners. Thank you, Raul. Yeah.